Are you looking for real, raw, and unfiltered news about what's happening in the greater Philadelphia area? Are you sick of all the vanilla takes about the local issues affecting our community right now? You're in the right place. Tune in to the Philly Face-to-Face Podcast. We are back on the Philly Face-to-Face Podcast. We've got a friend of mine, former client, and also CEO and founder of a local startup dinable here at Mark Sirkin. Mark, thanks for coming on first and foremost. I know your time's valuable. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give the audience an idea of what you're doing, what, what's going on, and, and just we'll kind of take it from there. Uh, quick, quick description of who I am, give, give you an easy way to understand why I am who I am. When I was 13, come from a Jewish family, had my bar mitzvah, and got a bunch of money, right? You get, you get, you get these gifts for money. Most kids want to spend it on video games, whatever. I go to my parents and I said, Mom and Dad, I want to buy a copy of Windows 95 for the computer with my bar mitzvah money. And that's what I did. It was pretty expensive I, at I the bought time. Windows, I don't even remember how much it cost. I bought Windows 95. I installed it on the computer. That was my idea of fun. So who am I? I'm an IT guy. I was in corporate IT for a while. Uh, when I got tired of telling people to reboot their computers, I decided to start my own business. <laughs> And uh, as you heard, I'm, uh, and you know, I'm a CEO of a startup that is a local startup. We're called Dynable, and I know we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Yeah, well, so um, Mark and I got connected. I mean, we, we worked together. He was a referral from another past client, um, Tony, who I believe you were living with at the time mm-hmm. in his first place. And um, so it's funny how you kind of make these connections. And that's what part of the podcast here is all about is what's going on locally in our market, because Philadelphia... We're, we're a big marketplace. We're the fifth, sixth largest metro market in the country, and you're running a startup here right now. So I, I find that really intriguing because everyone thinks startups, they automatically think like Silicon Valley or you got to go out to California. Um, so tell us a little bit about your company and then what, what kind of they're up to and, and some of the problems that you're solving, which I find really interesting. And I already know the answers, but the audience needs to hear this. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So the company is called Dynable. We help event planners manage dietary restrictions for their guests. Uh, sounds like it should be a simple thing, right? You put gluten-free or vegetarian or something on a form, and that's it. Uh, but the problem is growing. There are more and more people every year with food restrictions. Uh, just last year, I think it was, the, the food allergy community increased their estimation of the number of people with food allergies from 5% of the population to 10%. Uh, when you combine allergies with people with ethical diets and mm-hmm. they're dieting for religion and they're dying for medical reasons and they've got intolerances you've got half the u.s population has some kind of way they need to eat that isn't just i eat everything uh, and that's really challenging for anybody who's having or hosting or running or involved with a large event to be able to manage because you, all of a sudden you've got 50 percent of people showing up who probably can't eat the things that are you're throwing out on, on your menu uh, so they can either be wasteful by guessing where they can get real information and really accurate data by using Dynamo, and that's what we help with. Sure. So, and, you know, I, I find that, for me personally, I've, I've kind of gone through this sort of, like, health transformation where I'm eating healthier over the past couple of years. I'm really cognizant on what I'm putting in my body. So you go to an event four or five years ago versus now, I don't want to eat most of that stuff. So I, I, and I think that, and that's a personal choice, and, it's, and so that's a kind of a totally, it, it's part of what the problem you're solving is. And also, it's not like I'm, I'm. I'm luckily I'm not someone that's like can't is like lactose intolerant or doesn't doesn't can't have gluten. So, what do you attribute the the five to ten percent jump in the in the diagnoses? I mean, is that something that it's just wasn't 
Like, tell me more about that because that's a yeah. big number. Yeah, so it's it's there's a lot of factors going into this. People really don't know what's causing this increase. Is it just that doctors are getting better at diagnosing it? Is it that people are more in tune with what's going on? Does it have something to do with how we're managing our food supply chain? Uh, in my opinion, it's a combination of everything. Uh, you know, you don't know if the celery on your plate was grown 10 miles from here or 2,000 miles away or more than that. Uh, and our bodies evolve to process food in a certain way. And we often don't evolve as quickly as our technology and uh, the world around us does. So I think there's just a lot of factors that go into this. Uh, and of course, these days you end up with confusion and false positives and things like that. And people just, people might think they have an allergy and they don't. There's, yeah. all, there's all sorts of different things going on. And it's uh, at the end of the day, somebody says they don't want to eat something. Somebody says they could end up in the hospital because of something. You got to believe them. Well, I, I mean, I don't want to be the person to put someone in the hospital because I'm making them eat some some food that's at a at a conference or an event or, or something like that. So, um, and and have you know going to places across the country where there's you know retreats and different things where they, they they serve a lot of food and they want to keep you in the building in a lot of these like banquets or conferences or retreats. They don't want everyone leaving. So, you know, I, I see this as a big deal. Um, where do you? Where your company fits in all this, kind of explain, and we've talked about this, but sure. explain it a little more. So, I because mean, I think there's the issue, the challenges like the vendors that you're dealing with at the particular event, or if you're throwing an event yourself. So, talk to us a little bit about how how you can solve that problem. Sure. So, uh, any anybody who makes food professionally on any on any scale will tell you that they can serve almost anybody mm-hmm. if they have information in advance. It's really hard if they don't have clear information in advance. The biggest challenge today that really exists, that I believe exists in being able to serve people efficiently when they've got restrictions or special diets or whatever, isn't necessarily um, getting the food or sourcing the food or creating a menu that works for them. It's getting the information in advance in a clear and concise way so that it can be executed on. Uh, anybody who's ever talked to somebody who's vegetarian knows there's probably 10 different definitions of vegetarian. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and when somebody just says vegetarian, there's always a number of other questions that come right after that. And we have no standardization around the collection of that data, which makes it really hard for anybody who's preparing the food, trying to source a menu, trying to source product for those individuals to do it correctly. Because you never know who's going to walk in the door. Uh, so what we're endeavoring to achieve with Dynable is to standardize that process. Uh, so today when you're going to an event that involves Dynable, uh, you're going to receive an extra component to your registration. You're going to register, you'll pay for your event, whatever it is. You'll get something new from the planner that says build your food profile for the event. You'll go in there and you'll click on it. You better click on it because now you know me. <laughs> you'll go in there, you'll click on it, you'll build your profile. You can add one thing, you can add 100 things to your profile depending on how complex your diet is, or you can just click I eat everything, and all of a sudden that preparer, the food preparer who's sourcing the food, making the menu, has everything they need to be efficient, to not be wasteful, to make sure that you've got food right for you. And Tom, you're a high energy guy, right? <laughs> I, maybe you aren't sometimes, but as far as I can tell, you're pretty high energy all the time. It probably really sucks when you can't eat at an event and you want to keep that energy up. And all of a sudden you're in the corner eating a granola bar that you had packed into your coat or something like yeah. that because the food sucks. Well, and, and I'll, I'll take that one step further in that you see people, they go to these things, and, and I've been to enough of them, where they go and then 
like the, the the options are not great. And then they eat some huge lunch, and then the you see like the blood sugar in the room drop dramatically, and all of a sudden the energy's not there. So if you're the organizer, right, you don't want your audience sitting there like a bunch of zombies that feel like they just ate like a Thanksgiving dinner and like some big hoagie or something. You want them up and energetic and and you know a lot of that has to do with what people put in their bodies and and they're not they eat a certain thing every day or you know like i, I you know or they have a certain couple of things to eat for lunch and they know they don't deviate from that mm-hmm. your body reacts that really quickly i mean even if you just start eating something new like recently i started um drinking green juice right mm-hmm. first couple of days like i could tell something was off and and that's fine that, that's your body adapting but when that happens somewhere where you're trying to Go somewhere and learn, or it's a friend's wedding, or something else. That that that's where the challenge is. I mean, that, that that's a real thing. Uh, and and beyond that, you know, somebody with severe health problems that could come up. That there, there's this terrifying statistic out there. Every three minutes, somebody with food allergy ends up in the hospital because <laughs> of something they ate. Uh, about half of that happens at home, and half of it happens away from home. And it's almost always poor communication. Well, and it's usually based on the data, right? The data can can tell us a lot, and that's what what I love that you said there is it's bad information. So we're we're talking about the same thing. And when you're running any kind of company, whether you're running a speaking company, I know a bunch of people that do those where they go around, they have people come, they see them speak, they're in coaching, whatever. When you have bad information, you're going to get bad results, and then your body's the same way. So uh, talk to us about what your like, what's your ideal client? Like, who, who are you looking to connect with here? I mean, hopefully we can at least put you in touch with some people that yeah. have, I mean, that's certainly not the intention here of, of what we're doing, but people are listening. So what's your ideal client look like? Sure. So there's a lot of event planners out there who are really good at engaging with, with their guests, with your guests. That's who we want to talk to. Uh, you're running a big event. You might be serving two or three meals throughout that event. You want to be more efficient with menu planning, with food. You want to save time and Right now, you're probably creating a spreadsheet, right? You're getting an export from your Cvent or your Eventbrite, and you're creating a spreadsheet, and you're delivering that to the uh, the caterer, and it takes you a bunch of time. I can cut that time down for you, maybe in half, maybe less. Uh, that's who I want to want to talk to. I love what you said there. You're probably working in a spreadsheet, and it's taking you a lot of time because I find that's how most people do their job. They just go immediately to the spreadsheet mm-hmm. instead of process the data more effectively. Yeah. I've gone through this myself, um, and not, not with food, but with just, hey, what's our conversion ratios, and who's who's the best closer, and all these other things, or what's our ROI on this particular lead source. And if you put it in the spreadsheet, you're doing a lot of stuff by hand. It takes up a lot of time, and that's really probably not the most effective part of these people's jobs. Yeah. Yeah, spread, spreadsheets are awesome. I mean, if, if you want right to ask, a, you, you wanna ask a, a, a tech guy or a guy who's built a, a startup company based on data, how they prototyped out their, their software, it probably involved a whole lot of spreadsheets. I'm not saying it didn't. I yeah. think it's the, the issue is you're the IT guy, yeah. and these are people whose jobs are event planning or selling real estate or running a t- or whatever. That's not the best use of their time, and that's where the tech can dramatically increase their effectiveness. So. Exactly. I love that answer. That that's really great. So um, very very helpful there. So running a startup, I mean, they're, they're, this is you know all of a sudden I th- and we've talked about this too. Uh, it's that our our society has evolved a little bit, and where it went from you know it, it, it's really cool to be like running a company and doing this sort of thing. So um, running a startup, what's that like? Because I'm sure they're. I mean, and we, we we've had conversations off camera on this. I'd love to get your take on it because you're doing it every day, and this is relevant for a lot of people if they're thinking about starting a company. 
Like, what's it really going to be like? Is it, I mean, you, know, you don't just get that funding check and you're ready to go. That's not what happens. So fill us in a little bit on that, Mark. Yeah, uh, good question. So we, we've talked about this a lot offline, too. Yes, um, yes. And uh, you sent me the question this morning, and I was thinking about how I wanted to answer it <laughs> when I got a microphone in my face. Uh, well, it's game so time. Here's, so here we here's go. The day. Here's the deal. It's game time. Uh, two things. Number one, it's really freaking hard. And make no mistake that it's easy. And don't, don't assume that it's going to be easy or that it's going to be rainbows. Uh, you're going to have a lot of days where you feel incredible and the next day you wake up and the sky is literally on fire. And you're going to go back and forth like that a lot. But that being said, I don't think anybody starts a business if they don't believe in magic. I think that's why we all get into this. And I'm not talking about like Gandalf or Harry <laughs> Potter. I'm talking about real magic like selling a house. Well, it, it all coming together. Yeah, I, I know right. what you mean. I mean, there, there's got to be some together. sort of external force that helps it helps it yeah. get there. I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And that's that's what gets me up every morning and kind of, you know, always be hustling the hashtags mm-hmm. and whatever. Uh, yeah, you get up in the morning and you hustle because you still believe in that magic. And that's why I'm in this. And that's what it's like. Well, and, you know, that that's any business. And I, and I, I heard this from uh, Richard Barton, the CEO of Zillow. And so Zillow is like a billion-dollar company, right? And he was the CEO originally. After he, he founded Expedia, he went to Zillow, and they got rid of him. And now they had, they had Spencer Raskoff. Now he's back. Um, company's going in a different direction. And he said one thing that I, I, I saw him say this live is that we need to be constantly embracing the startup mentality. Because even when you're a company like Zillow, there's still so many competitors out there. You probably have no idea who they are. You don't know what they're doing, and they're they're coming for you no matter what. Or there's someone working on the same idea that you are. I mean that that's pretty common in the startup world from from my experience there. So embracing that mentality and like you said, believing in it, uh, believing in it coming together, knowing you can put this together and you're solving a problem, which you guys are clearly doing. I don't. I don't there's no question there in my mind. I mean, just having seen uh, you know what happens at these things when people have digestive issues or they have an allergy, or they just don't eat that way because they make a choice, and, and all of which are fine. So really, really critical there. I, I love that answer. Um, now, we, we hit on this a little bit. Um, and we've, we, So Mark and I have talked a lot here, obviously. So I'm, I'm going to stop saying, hey, we talked about this offline. Uh, what is it like running a startup here versus some of the sexier places around the country, like New York, for example, which is still not that robust of a scene from my understanding, Silicon Valley, the kind of other end of the spectrum. Share, share a little bit about that with people, that are, especially knowing that we're kind of our audience here is local. If someone's thinking about this or has an idea, what's it like trying to run a startup in Philadelphia? So Philly's got a really, really great supportive community for the startup world. Uh, there's a, as you said, Silicon Valley, New York, whatever. There, there's a lot of places that are well known for startups. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this this morning on the way on the way here, or I guess this afternoon. I think you can describe any region's startup community by looking at how, what their sports fans are like. <laughs> uh, so think about how, uh, so I'm a big baseball fan. Uh, I know we're in football season right now. I don't pay too much attention. Sorry, folks. But, you know, Eagles are Eagles aren't great. playing anyway, yeah. so what are you worried about? <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, I think you, you look at how people react in their community to their sports teams, and that's how, that's how the startup community is in that region. So... Uh, in Philly, it's very blue-collar town. you got to work your butt off mm-hmm. to prove yourself. You don't just write an, an idea on the back of the napkin and everybody gives you a big hug and here's a big check. <laughs> uh, that might happen still in Silicon Valley a little bit. might happen up in New York, both, both great places. 
Uh, Philly's also got a really, really strong focus on health tech and medical tech. So okay. if anybody out there is looking to start a healthcare company or a medical tech company, Philly's there, there's probably no better place to do it than in Philly because of how supportive it, it is around here. Not to say that you shouldn't start something else around here. I mean, Dynable's not health tech. Uh, of course, you'd better, you feel better, but that's not what we do. We're hospitality tech. Sure, sure. You can start a startup anywhere. Well, it doesn't and, matter and, where you are. And I'm clear on that. And I mean, a lot of times, you know, it's people, sometimes your partner's like not even in the same yeah. state as you or the same country in some cases. So, um, so what I'm hearing you say is that you have to work a little harder to get the love of the local community. Um, maybe not as many resources that are out there as in other places um, in terms of, but maybe I'm wrong there. I don't, I don't no, know. The, re- the resources are strong everywhere, okay. especially today with, uh, as you said, you don't need to be in the same state or the mm-hmm. same country. Resources are never an issue. Uh, the, the network is really powerful. Once you get to know somebody, you get to know five people in Philly, all of a sudden you're hooked into everybody uh, because everybody's kind of friendly and gets to know everybody pr- pretty quickly. Uh, so it's, it's uh, you know, I cut out that last part because I don't know where I was going at the end there. <laughs> We're going to leave it in now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I'll, I'll jump to another question. So um, you were talking about, like, getting connected with, like, five people kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and, and that, that sounds like any business. When you connect with a few people, then all of a sudden those connections help you make more connections. Mm-hmm. And that, that's almost like networking 101. Sure. And the job of a CEO today, I, I see it as having changed a little bit. A lot of people just think it's you run the company, you're the one everyone reports to, whatever else. To me, a really good CEO knows how to get their company out there. And part of that is doing stuff like this, you know, being out there and making news. I mean, you don't just see some of these guys that are – the most revered CEOs or chairmans or whatever they are, you know, Bezos comes to mind or people like him, they're doing interviews and talking about their company and kind of the, the best spokesperson for their company in a really limited role. I mean, do you see that as something that you have to kind of embrace right now is when, when you're running a company? Yeah, 100%. I don't think with the way the world works today with social media, with you know everybody kind of being always on, mm-hmm. I don't think you can have a reclusive CEO. You got if you don't like getting out there and talking to people and going on Tom Tools podcast, <laughs> uh, then maybe you should think about a different role in the startup. Yeah, the, the CEO has got to be out there talking about whatever he can talk about. Because, he or she, I should say, uh, because you've got to get the attention. Well, that's a brand. really good point. I think the only ones that can be reclusive are the ones that are like slaying it, meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Jobs at Apple, he was a little reclusive, but he came out with the iPhone and all this other stuff. I mean, so his product spoke for that. And, and so that, that's a bit of a different situation than what we're talking about here. So any advice for anyone that's trying to start a company right now? Um, they have a, a concept. They have an idea. You've done this. You've been in the tech, uh, the tech world for a long time. So any advice you have for someone that's maybe thinking about it or they're maybe where you were a few years ago? Because I, I know that Mm-hmm. The, the best thing about stuff like this and the resources available when you listen to like podcasts and watch videos or that you hear someone else that went through the same thing, you can kind of cut that time down a little bit for you. Yeah, sure. Uh, probably two things are two things come to mind that are the most important. Number one, focus on your business. Don't get distracted. There's a lot of distractions out there. That sounds like an, e- e- excuse me, an easy statement. It's not. Uh, and number two, uh, Find a balance between meeting as many people as you can and talking to as many people as you can and saying no. Because sometimes you got to say no because sometimes you do have to just kind of shut yourself into a room and get some stuff done. 
And that's sound advice for any business, I would say, not just the startup world. That's great stuff, Mark. Appreciate it. So the other really cool thing you've been up to, and uh, I, th this to me, actually, we reconnected over this, um, is that very recently there was a Rose Tree TEDx event. Uh, it was a month ago, I want to say, a month and a half -November. ago. Mid-November. Um, Mark was part of the uh, group of people that organized it. TED Talks are awesome. I love them. I, I, you get so much good information in such a short period of time. So what what inspired you to do that? How did you get involved with that? Because a lot of people don't know this stuff is on a local level. They only think of like the Simon Sinek TED Talk, yeah, yeah. TED Talk which is like the most famous one. They don't realize how, how, how much of a local organization TED is. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your experience there. Sure. Uh, TEDx events are everywhere. The difference between, I guess, TED and uh, the events that happen in the community are is the X at the end. So mm -hmm. TEDx are, yes. means it's independently organized. You license it from the, the master brand, which is the TED master brand. Um, I got involved with this kind of by accident, I guess. Uh, a friend introduced me to a friend of his on the sidelines of a little league game. They got to know each other. He says, Mark, I know you're in the startup world. My friend Stacy is organizing a TEDx event in media. You want to meet her? And I thought to myself, all right, well, to, to our point earlier, the CEO has to be out there doing stuff. Yes. I thought maybe I should go do a TED Talk. And I got all excited up thinking about all these ideas that I might go get on the TEDx stage and give a talk about. And I go to meet Stacy, and we get to talking, and I got really excited about the potential for helping to support making mm -hmm. this event happen as well. So I started making introductions for her. And, you, know, you, you build your network, you make introductions that make sense, and all of a sudden she emails me and says, you're on the organizing committee, you don't have a choice. <laughs> I said, okay, great. Um, that being said, it was probably the most exciting thing I did last year outside of working on my business. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of amazing to me that TED has the TED Talks have become so successful because at, at its heart, uh, in, in this age of, of people building personal brands all over the place, yep. the person is the least important thing in a TED Talk. It's the the whole point is to give the stage to the idea uh, and the best TED talks are the ones where you really remember the idea but you have no idea who gave that talk you couldn't probably couldn't pick their name out of a hat you probably couldn't pick their face off of a wall uh, and it's so inspiring to me to go on be able to go online and just watch ideas come up over and over again and that those are as we all know who get into building businesses that that's the seed of building business and creating magic and et cetera, et cetera. You said something there that, that I love, and we use the same sort of phrasing around this at our day-to-day -day here, is that it's about the idea. It's not about the person. So we kind of flip that where it's not about the property. It's about the person or the person being the customer, right? So it's, it's more about how can we help that person how can we build that relationship there? So it's about what's best for them. And in the, in the TED Talk arena, even though we're persons there, mm -hmm. it's kind of flipped because it's all about the idea and the concept. And that's at, at its heart what it means. I mean, I, I've watched hundreds of these things. And some of them, you don't even know who, who's talking. And it's so good. And for any business owner, I mean, if you're not listening to this stuff or you're not digesting content like this, you get one good idea like that, that can change your business. And, and, that, and that's, I think, at, a, at its heart. What they're meant to do is change people's lives. Yeah. Um, so, what? Um, so you told us why you did it. Um, so, what is what is organizing a TED 
uh, a TED talk look like or a TED event? Like, I mean, t- tell us about maybe some of the some of the the, the gritty details there. Yeah, well, uh, you've got to get speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched a lot of audition videos, <laughs> and uh, if you if you're thinking about auditioning for a TED talk, remember that that those comments a few minutes ago where I said how unimportant the person is. If you're going to apply to do a TED Talk, don't make yourself the star of it. Mm-hmm. Make your idea the star of it. Uh, watched a lot of really bad audition videos. Uh, other component of it is just the nitty-gritty of raising money. You cannot do these things for free. Mm-hmm. You've got to get people to sponsor either with services or with cash. Uh, and it's kind of amazing how you get in a room with somebody who's never heard of TED Talks or doesn't know what it is. The first time I got, I, I, I was trying to raise money for something or get sponsored out of something, I got in the room, the person said, well, I don't know what TED Talk is. What is it? And I just kind of froze. <laughs> I don't know how to describe this. It's a TED Talk. Haven't you seen one? Uh, it's kind of a difficult thing to describe. How you did you describe it? One. So well, I how froze. How do you describe it that, now? <laughs> afterwards, the way I describe it is t- TED gives local communities a national stage for sharing ideas. Uh, and the ideas can be anything for anyone. Uh, each TEDx event has a theme. So the one we ran in media, by the way, we couldn't call it TEDx Media because TED is a media company. Oh, that so makes I was wondering. That, that makes TEDx sense. Rose Tree. Uh, so our theme was grassroots. We'll have a different theme for this year's event, which will again happen in the fall of 2020, I assume. Uh, so ours was grassroots, and that's a pretty broad theme. It made sense for media. Media is kind of a, a, a pretty unique town. hundred percent. I, I know that on many levels. Yeah, things have happened in media. Um, so, if you are going to apply to do a TED talk, forget about yourself. Make sure you know the theme. Share an idea. It's pretty good advice for anyone listening. So, uh, I mean, it, it, this to me, that to me was just so exciting because you don't realize how local that stuff is, yes. and if you look at the theme you guys had, that kind of explains it. And, and media is like the perfect place for a grassroots theme because you look at the community there. I mean, media is like this really unique town. And, and there's a couple towns like that around here. Westchester's probably the closest, but it's almost too big relative to what media is in terms of size and the location and the businesses that have started there and that continue to be there. So uh, very, very cool you did that event. So what were some of the ideas that were shared? Like, I mean, give us a, maybe a sneak peek. I know you can probably check it on the website somewhere, but what was like one or two ideas that were shared in some of the talks during, during the event? Yeah, I don't want to steal any thunder from any of our speakers. Uh, I know our videos are, they're, they're final, the, the cuts are being finalized, uh, and they actually have to be uploaded to TED, and TED has to review them before they're approved and put online. Interesting. Uh, I got the opportunity to coach one of the speakers, which was so much fun. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, I've never given a TED Talk. Why am I coaching another guy? give a TED Talk, but I got the chance to do that. Uh, his name is Dave Shade. He runs an, a business locally. Uh, it's a dog training business. He's a veteran, uh, and he's got a really unique set of experiences that helped him craft his big idea, which is nothing more than what if every veteran, when they came home, was given a dog. We've got a lot of... Uh, um, rescue animals out there a ton of rescue got a animals, lot of yeah. veterans who come home shell-shocked and they need help uh it's, it's an amazing idea i mean I, I have a couple friends that are veterans and i know and i've heard stuff they've seen over you know fighting across across the across the ocean and 
doing all those sort of things. That's that's amazing. I mean, that, that and definitely hits that theme and everything else. Yeah. I have to maybe try to get him on the podcast here, but I mean, it, it, it I'll, is. I'll introduce it. Is, that that is an amazing idea. I mean, I, I love hearing that kind of stuff. So D- Dave's video and all our other speakers, we had uh, twelve speakers, if I'm remembering right. They should be out, uh, maybe by the end of this month, possibly in February. Very cool. And you'll all be able to see them TEDxRoseTree.com. TEDxRoseTree.com. And Nick's going to put all this stuff in the video in the link, so we'll have that, and we'll get, we'll get all your contact info here in a second up there. So. Uh, Obviously, we, we connected a long time ago, um, and Mark was a client of mine, uh, and we ended up we we lived very close to each other. I think we were, I ran into you walking down my street one day, or, or yeah, I was out for a run. And I was like on the phone or something. Tom. It was and, and we like literally like right right away, and and which which was pretty cool. So uh, so obviously we had a one of the things we like to ask people here is what do they think about the local real estate market? What's happening there? So we've had an experience and it was a while ago. I mean, this was not like last year or anything like that. So knowing what you know, as a consumer, what, what, what do you, what do you see happening in the real estate market right now? You're a business owner, you've done some local community events. So there is perspective there. And sure. I know you asked me, you're like, how am I supposed to answer this? And the point is we want to get everyone's perspective. Yep. So being a community organizer, running a company, being a local business owner, and also being a consumer, what, what do you see about the local market here? So I know a couple of things, and uh, mostly I know nothing at all about the real estate market, <laughs> but I know, you know, what I'm seeing out there. Uh, real uh, or excuse me, interest rates I think are pretty good right now. Yeah, right, so, historically low. Uh, if you're somebody who's looking at, you know, I don't have to buy a home, but maybe it's time to buy. I'm sure it's a good time to look around. There's, as far as I can tell, there's always property available. There's always homes available. I'm sure from your perspective, Tom, sometimes inventory is better and sometimes it's worse. From my perspective as a consumer, there's always homes for sale. There's always people looking to buy because that's the way the world works. Um, that's a really great perspective because it's, it's, it's a fact. I mean, yeah. I've been through the worst recession in history selling real estate, and there was still homes to sold. Right. And it's out there. It may not be as much as you would like, but there's stuff to buy. Great perspective. I think that's a really unique look at it here because a lot of times all you realtors pound the table about inventory levels, rates, all this stuff. That's not what the consumer always sees. Mm-hmm. So this is this is really interesting here. Any other takes? Uh, well, I'm a tech guy, so uh, I'm always curious what how technology is impacting what you do, Tom, and you know how how consumers are going out there and looking for homes. And we talked a little bit about this when we got together for coffee a few weeks ago. So I'm actually going to turn the tables on oh, you. Look at this. I thought it was really interesting what, what you said in how technology is going to start impacting what you do in the real estate market overall. So what do you think? Well, I'll tell you what, what I know. And, and, we, and, and technology is dramatically changing real estate. So, I mean, you look at uh, a company like Zillow specific. We mentioned them already once before. Um, they, they've become the Google of real estate. Uh, there's no question about it. They, uh, Stefan Swanpole, who's a... Um, he runs a company, and they just kind of evaluate the real estate industry. And they come out with this big report every year, and it says, here's our power 200 leaders in the industry. So this year, number one, it came out last week, was Barton, Richard Barton, the CEO of Zillow. Zillow had three different executives in the top 23. The only tech company that was consistently that high, most of the tech companies were like 100 mm-hmm. and, and, and higher. Some of the real estate brokerages say they're tech companies. They have real estate agents working for them, and they were in that kind of top ten, like Keller Williams, Remax, Berkshire Hathaway, Home Services, all these, all these people. Realty as well. So 
it shows you how big the impact is. That number one and three of the top tw- of the uh, three people in the top twenty-three were all Zillow executives. That was really really interesting to me from a third party. So even my my, my point of view is also third party, but I also work for one of the companies. So there, there's whatever bias you think, and much like what your company's trying to do, people want stuff to be easier and hassle-free. So now you can request a tour online at the time you want, and an agent's going to accept that and go meet you at the property. Um, Redfin came out with something a while ago where you don't need an agent to write an offer. You have to answer 75 questions or something, which is not really that frictionless. I mean, it's the exact opposite. But the point is people can sit there on their phone and do it, right? So just like what you're trying to do, make the experience better, that's what technology is doing because there's too many times where people can't get into the home that they want or they have to work around seeing it and, and all this sort of stuff. Instead of, hey, I'm available this time on this day, who's going to show it to me? It's a pretty different concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's just one example. So I, I see what's going to continue to happen is technology is going to make the transaction faster, easier, and less less friction involved. That's going to be what consumers are looking for right now and because they just don't want to – and eventually they're going to want to buy it on their phone. Like right. that That's where this is going. Uh, um, I'm, I'm curious if that's going to happen or not. I mean I see people that buy homes sight unseen. It happens. It depends what kind of property they're buying, right? Like if someone's looking for a single-family home on a certain street where they're going to raise their kids, they might end up going to visit that home. Now if it's a first-time buyer and they want to build a con- they buy a condo in a certain building – those properties aren't – there's not as many variables involved there. So we've seen it. I don't know if that's going to be the norm. I think maybe you, you, there's a way for them to make it easier to get there and do a lot of stuff on their phone. I don't know if it's gonna, we're going to be able to take the property visit out of the equation. Kind Especially like when people the, are spending uh, like – they're buying like that premium luxury price point home. Yeah. I mean that, that, that might be different than like the first-time buyer. I keep seeing these. Uh, I've, I've never actually seen one in person, but those car vending machines that they have now. Yes, like yes. And I keep wondering if there's going to be an equivalent for real estate where you can almost like, obviously you're not getting a house out of a vending machine, but <laughs> you get the key re- out of it. Re- reduce the time to, to, to buy, right? Reduce the friction of it. Uh, I think one of the things that technology is bringing to the world is maybe in the 90s and the early 2000s, technology was isolating people from the world. Yeah, and I agree now with that. it's going the other way. And technology is actually able to reduce the friction to getting people to the experiences in the real world that they want to have. And you're talking about people buying a house. You're, you're, really what you're talking about is reducing the friction to get somebody into a home. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about people getting food right for them. Really, it's about reducing the friction to getting a really great meal and a really great experience for them. It's not about the food. It's about the meal and the experience, and that's not about the house. It's about building the home. Well, it's about the person, the not the there. property, right? Or person, not the property. So, I, and you know, we're, that's why I was I was so excited to have you on here because it's 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 a similar concept being applied to a different industry, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. where the best ideas are. So, uh, and and what what we probably will see continue to happen too is that there's going to be a ton of I mean, there's a lot of venture capital money going into real estate right now. Some of the stuff doesn't work. Like, it, it doesn't get people what they want. And we're going to see more and more of that testing. And we're also going to see these companies continue to acquire um, a lot of this technology. I mean, Remax acquired a CRM this year, and they just bought something else. Compass bought a CRM. So, I mean, and they're spending, like, millions of dollars on this stuff because they can't build it on their own. They just want it to be all in-house. So we'll, we'll see We'll see more of that, too, is what I anticipate. It's, it's uh, I mean, 
the market's changing, but it's also staying the same, which is mm-hmm. which is a, because there's still that fundamental process that has to happen. It's how can we make the process better, faster, quicker, all those sort all those sort of things people are looking for. The same thing they're looking for with you and um, with your company. What what I love about it is you said it's the experience. I mean, you get food you can't eat. That's not a fun experience. Like I mean, people get. They get hangry. That's a real thing that happens, right? I mean, especially you're like at a conference all day mm-hmm. or you're at a wedding. And then they also, f- I find that people, when they have dietary restrictions, they feel like they're a pain in the butt asking for stuff. That, so it's, they're almost getting like shamed for saying, hey, I, I'm going to die if I eat this, right. which that's a tough place to be in. So, I mean, you're, you're, I mean that, that way you're really solving a problem. And it's very, very, very similar in terms of concept, being about the consumer and giving them a better experience. Yeah. That's what it's all about. One of the biggest hot hospitality guys in the in the country danny meyer uh he he says he says a lot of things obviously he's look him up i think he may have done ted talk before actually uh he says something about hospitality that really it's the business of giving hugs and nothing else makes sense it's kind of uh, hospitality there's all these jokes out there right about what's the the world's (laughs) oldest industry i don't think it's the one everybody's thinking of what's the world's oldest profession i actually think it's hospitality and every business out there, whether it's real estate or a hospital, health system, a bank or whatever, you go on their website or watch their TV ads or whatever they are, and they all talk about being customer-centered, people-centered, mm-hmm. patient-centered, whatever. It's all just hospitality. Fundamentally, that's, that's what, what it is. Fu- fundamentally, that's what all nope. of this is about. That's what you do when you take somebody on the about tour the customer of the house, experience. Right? Uh, that's what I think the world's oldest industry is. So it's not prostitution? Because that, that's the uh, Yeah, that's I didn't big say it. You did. <laughs> you hinted at it. So <laughs> I don't know the answer. I, 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 I love that. So hospitality is the business that we're all in is what I'm really hearing. So one last question. We'll let you go here. We've covered yeah. a lot. So what's something someone knows you, doesn't know you? What's like one interesting or little-known fact or if people need to know about Mark Sarkin? I'll give you two. I'll give you one oh. you can make fun of me for. Well, I'm not going to make fun of you, but interesting. maybe somebody right, else so, can. So here, here's the one you make fun of me for. For some reason, I have uh, a, a love that I cannot explain for disco music. It's just uh, it, it's the happiest music in the world. Every time it comes on, I can't help but smile, even if I'm in the worst mood <laughs> ever. What's your favorite disco band? Uh, that's a good question. Or artist. It's, it's probably Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. Uh, but, you know, the Bee Gees are the old standard. Well, I mean, Earthwind, I can see why that would make you smile, because those are classic. Yeah. It, 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 people always stuff. smile for that stuff. So I don't, exactly. I, that's, I don't think it's that weird. I think if people, right. you're, you're, you're embracing it a little more than most. I embrace it strongly. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. The interesting one is uh, at one point I had the opportunity to spend a half day touring the countryside of the Republic of Georgia near Tbilisi with the all-star Georgian rugby team. Oh, wow. Uh, which is, it's, we probably don't have enough time for me to tell the whole story, <laughs> but all I can say is take every opportunity you can to travel and put yourself out there and go to places you don't expect and talk to anybody who's willing to talk to you, and you end up doing things you wouldn't imagine. That's great advice for anybody. Great way to end the podcast here. Mark, thanks for coming on. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do it? Mark at Dynable.com or go to Dynable.com and learn more about us. If you want to get involved in TEDx Rose Tree in Media PA coming up this fall again, we'll, we'll have a date soon. 
you can email me at that same address or you can find us at tedxroastery.com. So mark at dineable.com, D-I-N-E-A-B-L-E, just to be super clear. You got it. And we'll have that up on the video here. But if you're listening, we just spelled it out for you. Mark, thank you very much. Really appreciate everything here. This was a really great episode and a lot of great stuff people can learn from. So thanks for coming on. Thank you, Tom. Have a great time.